I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Hello, I'm Alison Larkin, writer, comedian, narrator, and host of The Jane Austen Podcast. Join me as we embark on a journey through Austen's timeless stories, starting with Pride and Prejudice. The Jane Austen Podcast with Alison Larkin is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, travel more. Don't worry about all the stuff that you're supposed to do and the jobs you're supposed to have. Just take a, take a rucksack and travel more and just wander and do stupid jobs, meet lots of people and see the world. Do more of that. Um, that's probably what I would say. And don't worry about boys. <laughs> they take care of themselves. Just ignore them. Um, so, yeah, that's probably what I would say. Just just travel more. Because once you've got the mortgage and the child and the dog, that's it. You're stuck. <laughs> it's the reality. Take a laptop, maybe. maybe. Yeah, definitely take the laptop. Good day, good people. My name is Brad King, and you are listening to the Downtown Writers Jam After Party. As you know, we are part of the Solid Listen Network, and... We are coming to you from deep inside the jam bunker here in Pittsburgh. Today on the program, our second of these after parties is Sam Holland, who is delightful. Um, and her book, The Echo Man, is uh, for those of you who like thrillers and serial killers. This is your book. Uh, she is very dry and very funny. Um, is a self-confessed serial killer nerd. Hope that means just a fan of them. Not necessarily a serial killer of nerds. Uh, she studied psychology at university and then spent some time, like many of us do, working out in the real world before embarking on a full-time writing career, which is fucking amazing and fantastic. And The Echo Man <laughs> is her first book. So we had a lot of fun today. Uh... If you're new to the after party, it is like my version of a Q&A. So there are 10 questions that I ask everybody, five about writing and five about themselves. Uh, but they're storytelling questions. So lots of stuff. 
This, I'm telling you, the second half of this interview, the last question, I literally had my shirt up over my face. It is disgusting uh, and hilarious. So you're going to want to stick around for that. But before we get to all of that, you know, we got a little bit of business. So we have three shows here on the channel. The Jam, which is our hour-long show. That's out every Wednesday. We have the After Party, which is this Q&A. Uh, and we have Jam Sessions, which is our nonfiction book podcast. Both of them, After Party and Jam Sessions, about 30 minutes long. They're all here on the channel. So the, to, to get them all, just get subscribed wherever you're at. But there's a couple things you can do to help us out. First, tell your friends about us. People that are looking for books, your friends that love books, people that are always trying to figure out what to read next. Like, tell them about our show. It's a good way to find new books and to meet new authors. And if you have an iPad or an iPhone, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review there. If you don't, head over to Facebook, the Writer's Jam page. Click on that review button and leave us a review there. All of that helps us out. You can also head over to thewritersjam.com. All of our shows are there. You can click on the bookshop link and buy the books of anybody who's been on the program, get book reviews, sign up for the monthly newsletter. You can support the entire Solid Listen network by clicking on the Patreon button, commercial-free episodes and bonus content and all that good stuff. You can also now sign up for our Apple subscription service. $4.99 a month, you get all 12 shows on the Solid Listen podcast network, and you get those commercial-free and before anybody else. That's the business. Now we're getting on to the fun stuff. I appreciate you taking some time to stop by the bunker. Spend time with us. You are going to be very happy that you did. So sit back and enjoy my conversation with Sam Holland. So why do you write? Why do I write? Um because I love it um, is, is the easy answer. I never understand all these people that say that, that they're a writer and then they complain about writing and they say that they hate it. I, I don't get it. Why do you do it? Why do you do it? I mean, as we were just saying, why do you do it if you hate it? You don't get any money. You know, there are easier jobs. Um, and so, yeah, I do it because I love it. And I have, I get a lot of um, stories in my head and voice, voices in my head, but the good voices. Um, and if I didn't write, they would pester me all day long. So yeah, I write and I, I, I write because I absolutely love it. There's nothing else that I would rather do. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the quick answer. Have you done it your whole life? No, um, no, not at all. I did it. I've always wanted to be a writer. I've always been a very keen reader. So I've always read a lot. Even when I was very, very small, I read a lot and I wrote kind of stories. I did more when I was a teenager, I think. And then as we, you know, we were just saying, I think I thought that it wasn't a proper career and you couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't do that. You have to do a proper job with an office and a suit. Um, so then I sort of stopped for a long time. And then I started again um, when I, I think I just got disenchanted with the job and I knew I wanted to do it. So I just started, I started writing again. And that was about, probably about 10 years ago, but I started writing again. And then of course, took a while to get published but yeah yeah so yeah. what's the one question or statement that people say to you about writing that drives you crazy and what do you say um, to them but what do you want to say 
<laughs> people don't I think I have a lot of friends who aren't writers and they often <clears throat> ask me about sales and you know how's the book going how how's the, how the sales going and I don't I don't think they're asking me I know people don't like that question because it feels like they're asking you how much you earn but I don't think they are I think they're just trying to ask me how it's going but not knowing enough about the book industry to be able to ask a question <laughs> oh, that's um, so yeah generally if they ask me about sales generally I go I don't know and to be honest that's pretty much the truth because I often I don't know yeah <laughs> I don't know I don't try to find out I probably should um but then given half a chance what I would like to tell them is about what I'm writing and what the story is and what the character <laughs> is and what I what horrible facts I've just found out about you know what happens to bodies when they burn you know that sort of stuff but people don't they don't they don't want to hear that they just don't if you if you don't write if you don't write crime books if you don't write thriller books you just don't want to hear that so generally I kind of go yeah sounds fine and that's it that's the end of the conversation it's why I always put together like before the pandemic I used to put together dinners with just writers and I've always oh, told yeah. people like this show is sort of like what those dinners are like. It's like, all right, I actually want to know about the body. Like, it's weird. About That's a weird thing to look body. up. <laughs> it's just awful. I had to write a PM scene. I was just writing a postmortem scene with a body that's burnt um, in a fire <laughs> and trying to find other words instead of crispy. Um, I kept on using crispy. I was like, oh my God, this is such a first draft. You can't use crispy. It's yeah. just awful. But yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. But no, I mean, any, any normal dinner party. And, you know, if I talk about the Echo Man, the Echo Man's about serial killers. So if there's one person there that has a vague interest in serial killers, that's it. We've destroyed the conversation within, you know, within seconds. And yeah. nobody really not not normal people don't want to talk about serial killers which is very disappointing but yeah, yeah i can kill a killer conversation dead in a dinner party within two seconds all i need is somebody who shows an interest in serial killers and you know nobody nobody's interested in food anymore <laughs> <laughs> but that is, i've always told people like writers are the best and worst dinner party guests because we know lots of things about weird shit uh and we will tell you about them Oh, we will tell it, and we will love telling you about yeah. them as well. Even if you look like you're going to be sick, we'll still <laughs> tell you about them because <laughs> it's fascinating. And it's since we're storytellers, I like to bring out. This is like a postmortem book, like forensic pathology. It's disgusting. I can even the book. <laughs> so this is my favorite. Like, I don't know. Like, we don't on the show. We don't really talk about crap um just because it's different for everybody and there's enough of those. But I'm always interested asking writers this question because I think it reveals a lot about how they think about themselves. Uh, every writer has has that one review, right? Like the one review. Uh, what's yours? Uh -huh. um, my, I've got two actually, but my most recent one <laughs> was a woman who read The Echo Man and she went out of her way to find me on Twitter and then direct message me. So I'm not even put a tweet. She actually direct messaged me to tell me how she'd read my book. She hated it, um, but it wasn't my fault. It was my agent's fault because no woman could possibly write something that violent. So it, it wasn't my, my fault as a woman. You know, it's not my fault that the book's violent and nasty. It's it's the man's fault. Um, so yeah, I resisted. I really wanted to go back to her and write her along, but I didn't. I just just ignored it and blocked her. Yeah, I. W what was the other one? Uh, the other one was a woman who said that my book was. Um, 
the biggest piece of filth she'd ever read and uh, she thought I had mental health issues. So that's, that's amazing. Like, that was Marion. I, I, you know, I still remember Marion to this day. That's amazing. I, I'd have printed that out and put that in a poster board or something in my I room. I have got it saved. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I was like, excellent. Thanks very much. But that was a, yeah, that was a one, one star review on Amazon. Good old Marion. There's two kinds of reviews that I like the review where somebody says like, I would have written it this way. Right. When they're just like, well, I'm like, that's worthless. I don't give a shit how you'd have written my thing like that. Keep that to yourself. But the ones where people like just hate it, but they clearly read it and then have, I will read those all day (laughs) long. I like, I really like, I mean, with Echo Man, it's the ones that say it's really violent. And it's like, yes, like, <laughs> like the blurb says it's violent. The other reviews say it's violent. The quotes say it's violent. What part of the marketing did you miss? You know, it's just like, yes, yeah. it is violent. Why did you read it? Yeah. I mean, or I should yeah. get five stars because you said it's violent. So I've nailed the thing that I said yeah. I was going to nail. The I dismount is stuck. It's not like we, you know, we slapped a pink cover on it and some love hearts and then we put in a, you know, decapitation in the prologue. Right. It's what it says on the tin. So, you know, I, yeah. I don't I don't mind. I don't mind. I don't like them. But I don't mind those one star reviews. I have seriously thought about doing a show where I just go find those and read them. <laughs> <laughs> oh no actually my head sorry now we're talking about spoilers i hate the spoilers i hate are the ones that sorry the, the quotes i hate are the ones that put spoilers in them mm. like if you hate the book fine if you yeah. want to write a review that says you hate the book fine but don't ruin it for everybody else you know yeah. just don't that's just that's just being a that's just being a dick yeah so, <laughs> yeah they're the ones that really get on my nerves like yeah. don't spoil it for everyone else just and and you and and for everybody listening you don't need to send us messages you don't you yeah don't. so what's the best writing epiphany you've had and how what like how did it come about um post-it notes um these things on the board um I was trying to uh, I think every writer has to do it has to learn how to write a book themselves and I think it takes an awful lot of trial and error to get whether you're a pantser or a plotter or both or however you want to call it I think um you have to find your own method and getting to this with mine so I started on the floor believe it or not like just laid out um strips of masking tape which was sort of part one part two part three and worked out some things with post-it notes and then um so it's taken me to get to this sort of method and once I got to this suddenly it was just easy like that I guess that was the epiphany I was like oh okay this is this is how we do it we we put scenes on post-it notes and we move them around and actually they're index cards I'm, I'm yeah. lying. they're index cards with blue tack on them um but then the post-it notes are the clues so um i have a, a color per point of view for character and then little little colored post-it notes which they're none up here because it's a book in the early stages but they look <laughs> like this a little the little colored oh post-it like notes. little ones you got the strips. They're little ones and yeah. they're the clues relating to which crime um, so it all looks very pretty by the end, but yeah. um, it's a great like visual way of getting them. So yeah, my epiphany was post-it notes. It's very boring, but that's not. And, I mean, and suddenly writing is just like a hundred times easier because this is what I do. And yeah. I interviewed so, Sarah Fryer, who, who she's a journalist and she wrote a book about Instagram. And she said the best piece of advice that she got when you're writing a, a nonfiction book is make a note card and put one fact on it that you know that other people don't know. And when you have 300 of those, you have a book. 
right? <laughs> like that's the, like you, you need to be, they, people need to be learning stuff in a nonfiction book in a narrative or else they're not going to oh, read it. And that so works in, that works in a fiction. I mean, yeah. each chapter has to have one thing that the reader doesn't know. Um, whether it's about a character, whether it's about the crime, whether it's a clue. Otherwise, what's what's the chapter for? Yeah. If you haven't got one of those, what's what's the chapter for? I must admit, sometimes I do have a card that doesn't have a little post-it note stuck on it, but it's usually because it's like something charactery that yeah. I just. I mean, they're still yeah. learning something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and then sometimes your agent's like, do we need to know about what they're eating? Do we need to know, about the, do we need to know this chapter? Yeah. yeah, often my editor's like, can we just delete this? I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah, we could, but everything will fall apart and be terrible. Yeah, no, and also you need the quiet moment sometimes if you've got a crime novel. I mean, sorry, I'm getting a bit warm. <laughs> Taking my jumper off, it doesn't work very well on a podcast. Um, but in a crime novel, I think, especially one like Echo Man, where there's a lot of action and a lot of death and a lot yeah. of people dying, um, you do need the quiet moments. And um, yeah, so you do sometimes need the chapter that doesn't tell you much. I think it's telling you about the character, isn't it? Yeah, and like one of the most interesting things that I've found, because I don't do fiction, uh, but I interviewed two first-time novelists who had been screenwriters. Um, oh. And their books were annoyingly fantastic yeah and they were like i just wrote like i'm used to writing into the constraints of tv and film and so they wrote they had they had that they knew how to do it and i told yeah. them both like their books were so cinematic and they're like i mean yeah the best the best <laughs> writing books i've read are screenwriting books so save save the cats which i think everybody knows um is one of the best um structural books i think in terms of writing learning how to write i love the save the cat not even i think there's a save the cat writes the novel but i haven't read that one i've just got the screenwriting version and that's you know it's brilliant it's um yeah it's it's fantastic i've got another screenwriting book as well which is, says mostly the same thing but yeah and i watch a lot of films to be honest and you can see yeah. how films are put together can't you and that's how I put books together so yeah it's exactly the same it's so funny I've had so many thriller writers and crime writers say who you know because nobody knows how to be a writer right like it's not like your kid nobody's like I'm gonna is that a career I don't know what to do and they said that they watched procedurals and and marked what happened at every minute and then yeah. sort of structured that to their book which I think is kind of what you're saying it's good that, yeah, I mean, that's what the, the screenwriting book is basically saying. At this point, you should have done this. At this yeah. point, you should have done this. At this, at the midpoint, this has to happen. At this, but you know, it, and it is. It, it's exactly how films are written. Um, <laughs> so people ask me this all the time. Uh, like, if, like when I'm working with young writers or whatever. Um, and so I'm always interested to ask other writers. What does it mean to be a writer? Um, I, when you sent me this question, I was like, well, I don't even know what that means. But actually, when I thought about it, what it means is, and the old adage is correct, that you always have homework. You know, the, the thing that the writer is someone that has homework every evening, every, you know, I'm, I'm always working. Even if I'm away from my desk at a weekend, I'm either planning something in my head or I've got a bit of dialogue running you know, between characters are thinking, or I'm listening to somebody else having a conversation and thinking, okay, or yeah, they would kind of my notes app on the phone, writing it down. <laughs> yeah, so always, always, always working. I mean, it, it's it's good that I, I love it. So I um, would always rather be working. But yeah, if you're reading something, 
you're thinking you can't read a book now without thinking about how you would do it better or 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 being jealous about how good it is and yeah. trying to work out how they did it um you can't watch a film with you know it's the same problem so yeah I think being a writer means you're always writing whether you're sat at your desk or not it, um, yeah and so much of writing is not writing I try I tell young writers that I tell people that I'm even oh you know experienced writers I'm like sometimes taking a walk is writing yeah, like, yeah. I, mean, I, I have I have a dog. He's locked away at the moment because he's a nightmare. But um, I have a dog and I run with him. I walk with him. So if I'm ever stuck, all I need, need to do is just go for a run. And yeah, that's that unlocked and off you go. But yeah, I mean, so much of I, I mean, most of your job is done at your desk. And I'm not one of these people that believes you have to wait for the muse to come, you know, yeah. before you can write. Just sit down and write some fucking words. Yeah. Um, but you, equally, you I can cuss. Let that out. You can cuss. <laughs> yeah am i allowed to swear on this podcast yes no. look at me of course you can <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so i i do believe in you have to sit at your desk or, or sit wherever you want to sit but you have to get your finger to the keyboard and do some work yeah it's work you know it is you have to sit down um but equally i do think that time away if you're just making a cup of tea can help move yeah. things along in your head but uh, okay, so we're going to take a quick break. Then we're going to come back. We did the first part, which was writing. The second part's going to be you. So uh, we'll be back in just a minute. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. All right. So getting ready to start the second part, um, which is my favorite because uh, talking about writing is always weird for writers in front of other people, but I love, I love people and their stories. I could talk about writing all day, honestly. I could too, but like, it always feels weird to me to do it to like people that aren't writers. I'm like, do you guys care about this stuff? (laughs) Cause we will, again, best and worst party guests. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So what is it in the world that makes you the happiest? Uh, Down to to the real deep questions. I like, I think I'm happiest when things are the simplest. So um, when I'm just not doing much, I'm just hanging out with friends, um, hanging out with the family, with the, walking the dog, running with the dog. Um, yeah, when, when I'm just reading and writing and to be honest, there's not much going on. I'm not particularly, um, I'm not a night owl. I don't like really going out that, you know, I'd rather just be at home and Doing, doing simple things and hanging out with people that I, I like and love. So, yeah. So maybe not traveling so much didn't end up being a terrible thing. Maybe not. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> I mean, yeah, who knows? You don't know what you want, do you really? No. The grass, that... the grass is always greener. You don't know what you want. But yeah, I like um, I like a simple life, just like just chilling out and not doing much, really. So if we have a weekend where we do absolutely nothing, it's like, OK, that's fine. I'm just sitting so... and reading book and do you ever have those moments where you're like, man, this was not what the, like as a kid, this is not what I thought adulthood was going to be like. I don't think I really ever thought what adulthood would be like. Really? I don't know. Well, I don't know. Maybe I did. But clearly not enough for it to be a thing in your head. (laughs) (laughs) I was mulching last weekend and I was having a blast and I was like, like seven hours, like built the whole flower bed, like did it all myself, moved a bunch of stuff. (laughs) And I got done and I was like, God damn, like you, like you did a thing. And I was like, my 24 year old self would want to beat the shit out of me right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, you do take, you do get <laughs> a lot of pride in just, just, yeah, really boring things. Like, I'll just go for a walk. I'll just yeah. go for a walk for an hour and I'll listen to some crappy podcast and yeah. home again. And so, yeah, yeah. I'm not doing very exciting things. I'm not out on the town until 3 a.m. Yeah, I start. I recently just started going to bed at nine thirty and getting up like five forty-five oh, yeah. or six. Oh, it's lovely! It's lovely when you go to bed and it's still light, like it is at the moment. Like um, in England, it's um, doesn't get dark till about ten. So I go to bed when it's light and it's wonderful. It's such yeah. a. So you just want to be in bed all the time. That's what I makes would, you yeah, happy. Yeah, I would happily sleep from about ten, be awake from about ten to ten, ten to ten to ten. Yeah, and then sleep for the rest of it. That that, gotcha. that would be that would be ideal. But. Uh, so, in your adult life, what are the most profound ways that you have changed? <laughs> um, I give less of a shit about things. <laughs> so, in my twenties, I think I cared more about what people thought of me and what I should a lot of shoulds what I should be doing and what I should be saying and whether people liked me or not and the older I've got the less I less I care about um I'm you know I say no a lot more nowadays I have no qualms in saying no if somebody says do you want to do this I'm no I don't (laughs) 
Um, I just don't. And I, you know, I hang out with people who have the same attitude as well. And I really, I, I like people who are quite honest and, you know, they have nothing to hide. And I, I like that. I don't want to be messing about with people that seem to have agendas and I just don't have the the energy for it so yeah I'm more likely to tell people to fuck off and just not give a shit quite honestly <laughs> it's a I don't know how I'm 50 like there, there's and I realize it's different for women for lots of social and you know reasons and pressures but there is a joy in just being like no these five people are enough yeah yeah <laughs> thanks very much no yeah I've got enough friends this is yeah. this is fine uh so tell me the story I'm always interested in like people that influence folks so tell me a story of like a parent or a friend or like somebody that influenced your life um so I'm gonna bring it back to writing because that's that's yeah. what I like to talk about uh probably the in terms of writing one of the two of the biggest people that influenced me and they probably didn't know that they were doing it at the time um I had two bosses when I worked so I worked in HR for a long time and I had a very good boss um who I think good bosses are very rare, but she she's she is excellent. She was she's I mean she's a wonderful person, which I think is pretty much how it works. But she um, knew that I did that I wrote and I wrote sort of blogs and a few short stories, and she knew that I'm not quite sure how. And she said, "There's this job going that's going to be like social media and blogs, and you write, so you can do it." And I was like, oh, okay. Um, so I did. And through that and through kind of writing more and people saying, well, this is good and actually getting that feedback that I could write, I think gave me the confidence to then start writing a novel to actually try and finish that novel. And then I had a different boss who was um, my direct boss. And she said, one day you're going to come to me with a, you know, little white envelope that says you're leaving and I'm going to be sad because obviously you're leaving, but I'm going to be happy because you're going to be leaving to do the thing that you love. And one day I did and I gave her the, that envelope and she said, no. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so those two bosses, I think, were the most um, influential in that, in that they encouraged me, although they didn't know what they were doing or probably didn't even intend that. Um, they encouraged me to write and through that job I got feedback and that's what led me to finish a novel and quit and get an agent and get a publishing contract etc yeah. et et so um, yeah that probably changed my life more than more than most people do it's it's funny how simple words of encouragement sometimes bloom into flowers 10 years later you know like yeah absolutely it doesn't I did I specifically don't ask about celebrities but people you know sometimes tell me about celebrities the weirdest or the coolest person that you've ever met, like what's your cool meet cute meet weird story See, this is this I this I've really struggled to answer I don't I mean I meet a lot of um weird slash cool people um generally the weird ones are the cool ones I think I found you know yeah. the odder the odder and the more eccentric the better um I don't, yeah, I, this is the one question that I really struggled at the ones you sent me. I couldn't think of anybody in particular. I haven't met any celebrities, very yeah. few. Most people um, don't. <laughs> no, no, I mean, especially not. I live in a forest in Hampshire. I mean, it just doesn't happen. <laughs> Nobody comes out here. Um, so yeah, I have a clue. There's a really bad answer to the question, but I cannot think of anybody. That's a great particular. answer to the question. <laughs> I like, I do like meeting slightly weird people though i think they're the most interesting particularly um, as you people. get older and you're like oh like you found a drum beat that i'm not yeah let's tell me about that 
<laughs> yeah, you're fun. I, I really like the, the people that I like meeting the most are the people that are, they tend to be extroverts, which is, you know, opposite to me because I'm an introvert and they tend to not, oh, if they have got something to hide, it's not, it's not immediately obvious, but they tend to just like put it all out there and be very friendly and tell you things that are completely inappropriate for, you know, meeting somebody first time. And I love people like that because instantly you go, oh, okay, this is fun. Yeah. This is, this is easy. I don't have to try or worry, or I just have to have a nice chat with you. And um, I won't say who it was because it's, it's not fair on him, but I did meet somebody um, at a book launch who, um, wasn't as I expected and was just great fun and very attractive and very charming and I remember thinking oh you're not at all what I expected and you're you're wonderful <laughs> like I'd like to you know let, let's let, let's talk for a while and um yeah I, I like people like that yeah just like, um and you're like oh okay fun. do you think that's because is it because you're an introvert like is that why you think it's because it's, it takes the pressure off you yeah I mean yeah if if I meet another um another introvert then it can be quite awkward <laughs> i was gonna say like stunted <laughs> awkwardness yeah and you're just kind of going mm, okay i mean i can i can hold a conversation i'm not shy yeah but um i do like uh, socially i like very extroverted people because yeah. then i can kind of just relax and just let them talk at me and i'm just kind of like oh, this is fine I can't take them for too long yeah. <laughs> that, there's always a point when I'm like I know I need to leave yeah um, and I, probably, I definitely couldn't live with one but um <laughs> but I do I do like people when you're out and you meet those people and you think yeah this is this is easy I can just sit back and enjoy this enjoy this conversation or even just I don't know whether it's about an introverted or extrovert I think it's just like honesty just this blast of honesty and this person just laying it all out on the table and you're just like oh, okay there's no yeah. pretense here, i think and that, that's nice so there's the last one what's your what's the what's your favorite story to tell <laughs> um so only one came to mind and it is um it's not even my story but i loved it so much that it's just so horrific that um, I just, I just, I just love it so much. So um, I assume you want me to actually tell it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so my friend, uh, it's his story. He bought a house in Bristol um, and it was on the market, uh, you know, a detached nice house in Bristol and it was on the market and it was strangely cheap, um, but he bought it, uh, moved in. And the first night uh, him and his wife discovered why it was so strangely cheap um, was because on the first night, I'm trying to, where's my, where are my speakers? All they could hear was in the walls. So scratching, scratching and squeaking and like all night in the walls. So essentially the house had a major, major rat problem. It was just absolutely infested with rats. Um, they did everything they should. They got the exterminators in, they put the poison down, they put traps down, but nothing would get rid of these rats. And every night it would keep them awake. Um, so in the end, they um, they were doing some work to their bathroom and they discovered there was essentially an open sewer that was like sort of the rat superhighway of Bristol into their house. So the, these rats were coming just up the sewer, through into the walls, and they were like having party time in their house. So they blocked this up with... Um, cement you know reinforced with chicken yeah. wire just you know because rats all the stuff yeah all the stuff because yeah. rats they get through everything 
And that was fine. But the problem was that not only were they keeping rats out, they were keeping rats in. So the rats that were already in the house (laughs) were stuck. And they had just like two nights of these rats in the walls, desperately trying to get out. And then it went quiet. So the rats obviously couldn't get out and got stuck. Great, they thought. Uh, Obviously, we got some rats somewhere but we'll just let it go. So, um, but then the next night or a couple of days later, they were sitting in the living room and they heard um, a noise. I'm not sure where my microphone is, but like a tap. They could just hear this like tap and they thought, what is that? And they went out into the, the hallway and looked up and maggots were dropping oh. from their roof oh. <laughs> maggots were falling from their loft hatch down to their hallway hallway carpet and instead at this point of cleaning up the obvious horrific mess that they had in the loft they taped it up so they they basically just taped all of in and after maggots obviously what you get are flies so these maggots hatched and then all they had for days were these flies just buzzing either in their house or in the walls um and then it, and then they eventually died. So they, I don't think they lived there anymore. And I don't know quite what happened, but they had this just hideous mess in their loft of like dead rats and dead maggots and dead flies. That is loft. the grossest thing I've ever heard. And also, <laughs> here's the weird part about humans: is I'm like, I feel bad for those trapped rats. Yeah, well, they just didn't know what to do at that point. I, they were like, well, what do we do? We're not going to yeah. hold it raised rats out of our out of our walls we just need I, to leave them there and yeah i mean i would have gone out of town for like a week and just been like yeah i, yeah, I don't know i don't know exactly what they did but um <laughs> they weren't they weren't very happy yeah, with the i can't be there to listen to rats slowly die slowly <laughs> dying in the walls and then Deke, i mean can you imagine the smell i mean it was well smell. that was my first thought was like well they're gonna have to go get the, i mean do they understand what happens when flesh decomposes like <laughs> yeah well it's not gonna be good is it so yeah no. i don't Right, but at least the maggots dealt with that problem, but then that created the, the, the so. sentence you just said did not make that better for me. <laughs> no, but he told us, I mean, he's the best, he's the, he's the greatest storyteller, the, the guy that told us, and he told us it over dinner. So, you know, you can, I was like, oh, you know, sat there perfectly happy. Everyone else was like, oh, God, yeah. what's going on? <laughs> we were fine until the maggot part, like, is um, eating spaghetti, like, and we're out. <laughs> Yeah, eating rice. Yeah, we're out of here. Of the- <laughs> no, but it's, it's, yeah, it's so brilliant. Um, but yeah, that's well, I- you, Sam, it has been lovely talking to you <laughs> and I appreciate you indulging me in this weird thing that I do. Uh, well, congratulations. I hope that you get uh, the next one. I get get the 40,000 words and get the next one outlined. So that yeah, it, it, will, it will. It will get there. Definitely. Thank you very much. No, it's been it's been a real pleasure. It's been a, a great fun chatting with you. Today. Thank you. <laughs> well, you have a great day and I hope we can talk soon. Yes, you too. Thanks very much. Well, there you have it. The delightful Sam Holland, whose book, The Echo Man, is out right now. Before we get out of here, just a couple of reminders. If you like what you heard, do us those two favors I talked about at the top of the show. Leave us a review, either at Apple or at Facebook. Tell your friends about us. Don't forget, check out all of the other programs on the Solid Listen Podcast Network, including our flagship Mother May I Sleep With podcast with host and our Solid Listen Podcast queen and the hardest working woman in the podcast world, Molly MacLear. 
Don't forget, we got three shows on the channel now. The Jam, which comes out every Wednesday. And we have the shorter versions, the After Party, which you just listened to, and Jam Sessions, which is our non-fiction book podcast. You can catch all three of those right here on this channel. So get yourself subscribed wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember, you can always catch us on Twitter and Instagram at The Writer's Jam. Until the next time, I will see you around the internet. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.